the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia aims to topple the Ukrainian government, claiming a desire to free people from what they call an unacceptable regime. Moscow continues to behave in ways that prevent desperately needed food from reaching many of the world's most poor. Military recruitment is down, way down. The purpose of the U.S. military is to defend the United States. The Biden administration seeks to redefine recession ahead of a dismal economic report. Second quarter GDP numbers could signal that the economy shrank. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, July 26th. I'm Mike Scott. According to reports, Russia is expanding its military goals in Ukraine from seizing control of the eastern Donbass region to entire regime change. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says Moscow is now targeting the absolutely, quote, unacceptable regime, end quote, of President Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky, for his part, remains unbowed, saying his country will win the war for independence and keep Ukraine on a course toward full membership in the EU and becoming one of the most modern states in the world. This comes as Russia targeted the port city of Odessa mere hours after agreeing to open the port for grain shipments. State Department spokesman Ned Price says Russia is preventing food from reaching the poorest of countries. Russia's brazen attack against the port city of Odessa uh, only 24, afters, 24 hours after uh, this agreement was uh, signed, it certainly undermines uh, the credibility um, of Russia's commitments to the other parties to this deal, uh, the United Nations, Turkey, and Ukraine, uh, as well as its broader humanitarian commitment that it made in the July 21st agreement. Uh, it also highlights, we believe, uh, that Moscow continues to behave in ways that intentionally uh, prevent desperately needed food from reaching uh, many of the world's uh, most poor, uh, those who are suffering um, the most acute effects uh, of the food insecurity that Moscow's invasion of Ukraine has uh, exacerbated. The intense attacks have killed two more Americans, including Luke Lucizen and Brian Young, who had gone to Ukraine to help in the war effort. NBC's Morgan Chesky is on the ground in Ukraine and explains their tragedy. In eastern Ukraine tonight, fierce frontline fighting, leaving two American families in mourning. A Ukrainian commander sharing over the weekend that two Americans, including Luke Lucizen, died in battle after traveling here on their own to join the war effort. My heart can't be heavier than it is now. Kathy and George Lucizen describing their son Luke as a loving father who went abroad wanting to help and found work as a medic. Chesky says that one American was killed 
in a tank attack. The parents say Luke was knocked unconscious by an artillery blast. Then his fellow fighters rushed to help. A Russian tank opened fire. Luke Lucizan's mother says her son was just trying to help. He didn't go there to be a hero. He went, he went there because he wanted to help people. General Jack Keane joined Fox Business to discuss the latest from Ukraine and how Ukraine is fighting back using weapons America has provided. This is something that's been in the planning and preparation stages now for weeks. And it looks like they're beginning to set in motion what they consider to be a counteroffensive to take back Kherson City and the surrounding area, which would be a major accomplishment if they're able to pull this off. And certainly the weapons that the United States has been providing to them and the Europeans as well, particularly the HIMARS, has really helped them quite a bit in terms of defeating Russian artillery, which has been the main weapon system that the Russians have been using to take territory away from the Ukrainians in the eastern Donbass region. This is a major, major movement by the Ukrainians. Keen also addressed General Mark Milley's comments on escalating Chinese aggression. President Xi, and he's been in power now over 10 years, certainly changed things rather dramatically in terms of the intimidation and coercion of Taiwan across the Taiwan Straits and also our allies, and to include what General Milley is talking about in harassing our airplanes and our ships. The aggressiveness is obvious. King goes on to say that while the war in Ukraine rages on, Chinese President Xi Jinping is amping up his plans for Taiwan now because, in Keene's opinion, he has a short window of time to do so. I think what we have to consider seriously is that President Xi, while he's watching the war in Ukraine and he's watching Russia have a lot of problems with it, President Xi, as opposed to pausing and slowing down his desire to take over Taiwan, may indeed be increasing it in terms of time frame. Why? Because we are right now outgunned and outmanned in the region, but he knows full well the United States is working very hard to correct that. That'll take a few years to do so. But that encourages him maybe to do something sooner rather than later. Second problem is you're aware of this. He has, President Xi has economic setbacks right now, and they're destined to get worse. And it may be better for him to do something sooner again rather than later economically as well as it is militarily. That's the concern we have. And Millie Sony is going to be out there trying to shore up our allies to work together in the region to push back on China's aggression. Meantime, Russia tightened its gas squeeze on Europe Monday as Gazprom says supplies through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Germany would drop to just 20 percent of capacity. The EU has repeatedly accused Russia of resorting to energy blackmail, while the Kremlin says these shortages are caused by the effect of Western sanctions. The Pacific Northwest is bracing for a major heat wave, just as the northeastern part of the U.S. will soon see a break in extreme temperatures. In Washington State and Oregon, temperatures are forecast to top 100 degrees in some places. The searing heat comes as the opposite side of the country saw forecasts for cooling early this week after a stretch of days where temperatures 
went into the triple digits in multiple places. Newark, New Jersey saw its fifth consecutive day of 100 degrees or higher, the longest such streak since records began in 1931. Boston also hit 100, surpassing the previous daily high of 98, set back in 1933. New Yorker Ebenezer Solomon, riding a moped to work, says he finally got an air conditioner just a few weeks ago, but he still has to be outside. It's unbelievable. I'm glad it's almost over now, but we got through the worst of it, so <laughs> it's, it's been challenging to find ways to keep cool and, you know, not get, you know, dehydrated or, like, burnt out. Dr. Natalie Azar joined Good Morning America and discussed symptoms of heat exhaustion and heat stroke that all Americans need to know during the scorching part of the summer. Heat stroke, I think some people also call it a sunstroke, which you can do, but think of them this way. It's basically like a continuum of heat-related illness. Heat exhaustion, if you don't treat it, you don't recognize it, can progress to heat stroke, okay. which is absolutely a medical emergency. So what are the symptoms of heat exhaustion? Okay, so let's go through them. The biggest difference, I'm going to point it out a couple of times, is that with heat exhaustion, you're sweating a lot. That is your body's natural mechanism to try to cool off, so you're going to see that. Your skin is going to feel kind of cold and clammy. You may feel muscle cramps headache, dizzy, feeling weak. But Savannah, the important thing here is that you're still mentating normally, which is a big distinction from a heat stroke. Did you say mentating? What does that mean? Mentating means that you're not confused. Azar also reemphasizes the key symptoms of a heat stroke. With heat exhaustion, you definitely want to start to hydrate somebody. You want to find the shade. You can go into the air conditioner. Start taking off clothing if you can. Use an ice pack, and this is super important, under the neck, under the uh, under the armpits, and also in the groin. Great place to cool yourself down. You can get into a cool bath or a pool. Okay, and a heat stroke, what are, what is the differentiator? This is, this is the big This is where mentating comes in. Right, this big... is where mentating comes right. in. So first of all, you have an internal temperature of like 103 or uh, more, right? Yeah. But a lot of us don't have a digital thermometer around. So the big one, if you notice that somebody is starting to feel confused, not mentating yeah. normally, and this is the big one, Savannah, as opposed to heat exhaustion when you're sweating, you're not sweating anymore. Your skin is red, hot, and dry. And call 911 if call that 9-1-1 happens. Call 911 is the number one thing to do. According to a report by NBC, every branch of the U.S. military is struggling to meet its 2022 recruiting goals. The report shows both a record low percentage of young Americans eligible to serve and an even tinier fraction willing to consider it. The Pentagon's top leaders are scrambling for ways to find new recruits to fill out the ranks of the all-volunteer force. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks consider the shortfalls a serious issue and have been meeting on it frequently with other Washington, D.C. leaders. Jason Church, an Army veteran and founder of Veterans on Duty, joined the Hugh Hewitt Show discussing the current state of the American military. Too many veterans across the United States are looking at what's going on in the Pentagon and on the world stage and are increasingly concerned about the direction of the country in the way our armed forces are training, recruiting, and I mean, I'm not even getting close to being ready to fight right now. And that scares us. So we formed Veterans on Duty as a watchdog group to make sure the Pentagon's doing the right thing. And right now, clearly under the Biden administration, it's not. Church says that, in his opinion, 
The military is focused on political issues and not the defense of the country. Well, I mean, a central component of what veterans on duty is is focusing on is reform. All right. And we're going to be doing this through advocacy efforts because, I mean, let's look. I mean, I, I had a, a piece in the New York Post, uh, an op-ed in there where I was calling out the politicization of the of the Pentagon and the efforts of left wing ideologues to fundamentally change the nature of the U.S. military. I mean, this isn't just you know, Republicans and conservatives using a buzzword woke. I mean, there's CRT being taught to our soldiers. There is training seminars on transgenderism. There's there's white rage comment made by Mark Milley. No one's taking any responsibility for what happened in Afghanistan. And why is the Secretary of Defense issuing a statement on the abortion ruling lately? I mean, this is all stuff that is unfocused. This is a lack of focus. Church says the goal of the military should be to simply defend America from outside threats. At, at the end of the day, the goal, the the intent, the purpose of the U.S. military is to defend the United States from external threat and nothing yeah, else. Church tells the Salem Radio Network that it's hard to recruit when you're telling people the country isn't worth fighting for. It shows me that the priorities are out of whack. I mean, at this point, if you're not even hitting recruiting numbers, and this has been the worst it's been since we have implemented an all-volunteer force. I mean, we are seeing a total lack of interest. People are leaving $50,000 signing bonuses on the table right now. You know, and, and it's hard when you, when you have the left out there and they're saying that this country isn't even worth it to begin with. How are you going to start recruiting people to fight, sacrifice life and limb for it? I mean, that's the problem right now. Republicans in Congress plan a major probe into Dr. Anthony Fauci after the midterm elections. Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent, Bernie Bennett, has more from Capitol Hill. Congressional Republicans are eagerly floating investigations into Anthony Fauci and the Biden administration's response to the coronavirus pandemic if they win back control of the House or Senate in the midterm elections. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who was in line to become the chairman of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee, said, quote, one way or another, if we are in the majority, we will subpoena his records and he will testify in the Senate under oath. In the House, Ohio Republican Jim Jordan, who is in line to chair the House Judiciary Committee, say he sees no limit to what he wants to investigate about Fauci and the pandemic. Bernie Bennett in Washington. Jelaine Maxwell has been sent to a Florida prison where she will serve her 20-year sentence for helping billionaire sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein abuse underage girls. The disgraced socialite has been moved to a low-security prison near where she committed her crimes. ABC's Terry Parker discusses the Maxwell sentencing. Elaine Maxwell now back in Florida, the place where many of her crimes with Jeffrey Epstein were committed, but this time she is not in a waterfront mansion. Maxwell was just sentenced to 20 years behind bars for her part in grooming young girls to sexually service Jeffrey Epstein and his friends over a 10-year period. Many of those victims sexually abused at Epstein's Palm Beach home, and some then flown on his private jet to other states. Now, Maxwell is living in FCI Tallahassee, described by the Bureau of Prisons as a low-security federal correctional institution. There, 60-year-old Maxwell will be expected to wake up at 6 a.m., make her bed, dress in khaki pants and shirt, and maintain a regular job assignment. This was not the prison her attorneys requested. They asked she be placed at the prison in Danbury, Connecticut, and 
She has filed notice that she intends to appeal her conviction and sentence. The Bureau of Prisons website indicates Maxwell will be eligible for release July 17 of 2037. The Disney-backed streaming service Hulu is now refusing to run political ads on central themes of Democrat midterm campaigns like abortion and guns and the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. That's angering many leaders in the Democratic Party. The streaming service, popular among younger voters, has a policy against running content deemed controversial. Eric Rosales, EWTN's Capitol Hill correspondent, says the Democratic Party is spending a lot of money on ads to air on television and targeting streaming services like Hulu. The Democratic National Committee launched a five-figure digital ad buy after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. The ads targeted women 18 to 55 on both Facebook and YouTube in a number of key battleground states. Rosales goes on to say that according to many polls, voters are more concerned with inflation and monetary issues than they are with abortion. A number of polls show that Americans are more concerned about inflation and the high economy versus abortion. But Democrats say that they will continue to make abortion a kitchen table issue until the November elections. The Federal Reserve is continuing its efforts to rein in prices by jacking up interest rates. The release of the Consumer Price Index this month revealed inflation rose 9.1 percent in June compared with the same time last year, marking the largest increase since November 1981. More hikes are likely, with the next one expected on Wednesday. NBC's Tom Costello says that inflation is slamming working families the hardest. In Washington and across the country, high stakes over four-decade high inflation, up 9% year-over-year. In Illinois, mother of three and special ed teacher Ali Alvarado says it's taking a financial and emotional toll. Clothing up 5%, gas up nearly 60%, food prices up 10.5%, forcing them to cut back. Costello says some food banks are literally running out of food due to the inflation crunch. At a food bank in Loudoun County, Virginia, so many families are asking for help, they ran out of food after 90 minutes today. We are seeing 20 to 25 new families each week that are coming in that are new to us, that have never gotten our services before. Meanwhile, a new AAA poll finds 88% of those asked are cutting back on driving due to higher gas prices. While prices have recently dropped, they're still averaging 4.36 a gallon nationwide. Costello went on to say that the common definition for recession is the GDP shrinking for two quarters in a row. All of it adding pressure on the Fed expected to raise interest rates another three quarters of a percentage point this week, just as second quarter GDP numbers could signal if the economy shrank for two quarters in a row, a common definition for a recession. However, the Biden administration preemptively downplayed concerns about the state of the economy ahead of the second quarter GDP growth data in a press release and, according to some, sought to redefine what constitutes a recession. Is America officially in a recession? We'll get the word this week when the numbers for the U.S. GDP is released, and Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason takes a look forward at what some experts 
expect. That's when a report on the second quarter gross domestic product is due for release. Unofficially, a recession is defined as two consecutive quarters of declining GDP, meaning that the economy is shrinking rather than growing. The economy contracted in the first quarter of the year, so shrinkage in Q2 would confirm what many Americans already suspect, that the economy has fallen into a recession. Dozens have been evacuated from two towns on Japan's main southern island of Kyushu, where a volcano is spewing ash and large rocks into the air. Large rocks fell as far as one and a half miles away from the caldera Sunday night in the southern prefecture of Kagoshima. Hundreds in southern Japan were advised to evacuate their communities after the Sakurajima volcano erupted Sunday. Japanese officials say the sheer force of the eruption blew large rocks nearly two miles away. No damage or severe injuries were reported. Japan's meteorological agency raised the eruption alert to their highest level of five and advised 51 residents in two towns facing the volcano to leave their homes. The chances of more explosive, violent eruptions are low, but residents are still being told to be watchful of falling rocks, mudslides, and pyroclastic flow. And finally, Paul Sorvino, the character actor who made a career out of playing forceful types, most notably the cold-hearted mobster Paulie Cicero in Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, has died. I'm not talking about what you did inside. You did what you had to do. I'm talking about now. From now, here, and now. Paulie, why would I want to get into that? Don't make a jerk out of me. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Sorvino said in a 2005 interview he wished he could have perfected his singing. I think the instrument is certainly all there, but I couldn't bring it to the level that I wanted to. I had acid reflux, which retires singers all the time. Once I had that taken care of, it changed my voice, but now I'm not a kid. I'm not in my 20s. I'm not going to go running from opera house to opera house. Sorvino was asked in a 2004 interview if he thought he would always be remembered for Goodfellas. I hope not. I would say that it certainly is a great movie, and I was... I'm proud to be in it, but it's uh, it's only one section, one small section of what I am, and it's completely antithetical to my personality. It's nothing like me as a human being. Uh, I'm not lethal that way, unless you want to hurt my children, and then I suppose I could be as lethal as any human being on the, on the planet. Sorvino was also known for his television work on Law and & Order and Star Trek, The Next Generation. Sorvino's wife, Dee Dee, announced that he died of natural causes... Paul Servino was 83. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.